it's one of those things where it's also, but it's what drives me. Um, if I didn't feel that way, I don't think it's again, it's a double-edged sword, but um, not being satisfied um, is, is really what pushes me to be better at my craft. Welcome to the Flying Fruit Bowl, a platform dedicated to the discussion and exploration of art and the creative process. I'm your host, Aaron X, and today's episode is the first part of my interview with the amazing Jesse Tate. Jesse is a photographer based in the US who creates work that reflects on the ideals of the ordinary. Using photography, he aims to capture the feeling and atmosphere of a place, considering the way that human presence can be suggested through the use of colour and composition. So let's start where I start with everybody, um, which is just tell us a bit about yourself and how you became a photographer. All right. Um, so uh, I, I was a teacher for a long time, elementary school teacher, and um, I just really got uh, burned out after that. I wasn't passionate about it anymore. And um, I, I wanted to do something creative, something that I felt passionate about that gave me purpose and meaning. And so I went in into filmmaking and did this trade school. And um, they set you up with a mentor and you would go on all of their shoots with them and then they would teach you. And so you would learn all the different aspects of film. And um, but then that was I started that that was the January. And then that March is when the pandemic hit. And so everything completely shut down and uh, I didn't know what to do, but I wanted to make sure I, I kept learning. So I went out and bought a camera and uh, just started taking pictures and uh, I had no idea what I was doing really just um, just a little bit from what my mentor taught me about setting up shots and the frame and composition and stuff like that and um, it wasn't until I joined uh, Instagram I didn't have really any social media that I found a community and uh, found that cinematic atmospheric kind of style that I was like oh okay th- this is a thing there there's this style out there it's not necessarily just postcard which is what i had in my mind is kind of postcard bridge sunsets skylines which didn't really interest me as beautiful as they can be and uh and that has been my influence and so um i that's why i still kind of consider myself a beginner because i don't really have i don't really have an art background and my background is more music and so it's been, it's really been a, a learning curve, but I think there's a lot of um, parallels between, I guess, any art form, but a, a lot of my metaphors I make with, with photography has to do with music. There's just, uh, I see a lot of the s- similarities in the learning curve and um, style and form and uh, what you're trying to say and how, you know, so that's, that's how I got into it. And I've just become obsessed with it now. See, that's really interesting because I know, actually quite a lot of eyes now who are also musicians and or have some kind of they kind of either dabble in music or they're a musician themselves or they have some kind of um like leeway into music it's kind of actually really interesting the parallels between the two it's it's it quite is, yeah. surprising um so i definitely connect you to some people as well that i think you know you could have really interesting conversations with um because i'm always very interested in terms of like how music and art can also be actually you know combined even like that's really interesting so you know like imagine if you made i don't know if you actually make music but if you made made a piece of music and then just accompanied your images or you know i think 
I think we're learning nowadays, particularly with Instagram Reels, like the Sonics are just as important as the visuals sometimes. So oh, definitely. I think it's, um, that's a very interesting correlation. I, I absolutely love it. And there's a quite a few people I can send your way that you might be able to have interesting conversations with. Um, yeah, that'd be great. Next question is, um, what does being an artist mean to you? Um, for me, it's just uh, a way to express myself um, in a way that that um especially with photography this is what i found it uh is expressing myself without using words which is how i've done it before in the past with music and uh in writing um i found it unique to to find this new expression using images and colors and different themes that that don't rely on the spoken word um and so for me that's that's kind of uh what I, i found interesting is to convey, you can convey some of those same feelings that you would through a song or through, uh, you know, through a writing or a novel or whatever, but, but through an image. And I think really that's what it is, is that, you know, humans want to express themselves. We want to be heard. We want to tell our story. And that's, that's, uh, you know, whatever your art form is, is the means through which you, uh, you know, share yourself with the world. That's very beautifully said. And that's really, really fascinating. It's a good point because I think the thing about art is that art allows you to say things without having to say them. And it allows yeah. you to kind of engage with people on a more emotional level than necessarily what, what meets the eye, you know? Yeah. And I think that's quite powerful. I think more powerful than people necessarily give it credit for a lot of the time. Yeah. That's very and, and I like it. I, um, and with photography, I like... Um, and in art, as I'm learning, I like the idea that um, that there, there's not necessarily an explanation um, and where with words, it can be misinterpreted. And sure, art can be misinterpreted, but I like the idea that it's kind of open to interpretation. Um, and I kind of, that's the way I've gone about it. Like, I don't really name myself or really explain it too much because I... I, I want them to interpret it however, the viewer, however they want to. So I just think that's an interesting take on it, um, just from photography. Yeah, the ambiguity allows the viewer to become a part of the work, I guess, which is definitely something I want to talk to you about later, that's for sure. Yeah. It's um, a definite question I have. <laughs> planned. Cool. Um, so also I have, well, I, I kind of order, but I'm not going to lie, it will be out of order because I always... You always say something like that, but like, oh, I should ask you this, and oh, I should ask you that now. So there is one thing I want to ask you now, which sure. I was going to ask you much later, but I'm going to ask you now. And that's kind of about having a website and having yeah. other social media presences other than Instagram. Because I noticed, like a lot of, of really great photographers, actually, um, you don't actually have a website. Yeah, that's, de- I mean, that's in my future. And um, I, I've also started uh, a site for prints. And I, I'm ordering them and um, and seeing how they look first. Yeah. Um, you know, when you when you uh, do an image on you know your laptop or on my iPad, there's 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 the way it looks there, and then you send it to your iPhone, and then it looks different, and then you put it on Instagram, and then it looks different. The compression changes it, and so I, this is all new to me. And so when I've done um, tried some uh, prints, they don't look the same way that they look to me. So I feel like I have to kind of re-edit and go from there. And, you know, I think probably most artists feel that, they, you know, they're going to 
sign off on their work and put it out there. And especially if they're going to ask people to have their attention or their money, you want it to be your absolute best work. So I'm just making sure that I, I'm completely happy with it first, but, um, but I did, so I did a run of prints of four and I only liked one of them. And so they just didn't have the same, they didn't punch the same way they did on, on my laptop or on Instagram. And so it's, um, it's something I've been researching how to get the most out of your picture when doing it. It's, it's, it's interesting to me how it changes when with a, a file, it's different than music where, you know, you just transfer it over and it pretty much sounds the same. It's good that you have that kind of standard for yourself, like even so yeah. early on in your career that you're like, okay, cool. I want to see what this looks like. And, you know, I want to make sure that it's right and that you're happy with it to put your name onto it and yeah. send it out. I think that's actually very important. That's actually a very, it's a great quality to have. That's an incredible quality to have actually. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. That, I mean, that is honestly what means the most to me is that anything with our magazine and myself that, yeah. that I feel like if someone's going to, you know, spend money on it or spend their time on it. Like I really want to make sure that I'm giving them the most, the, the best that I can do, the best quality that I can do. So I feel like they're, they're getting what they deserve by um, engaging in it. Yeah. I, yeah. I, that's very respectable. That's extremely respectable. I think that makes a lot of sense because um, yeah, from the quite a few photographers now that I've interviewed, I think um, quality is very very important to everybody and making yeah. sure that their work looks good in print because a lot of people shoot film uh, making sure that it looks good in the actual flashes that actually does online is that's super important because the last thing you want to do is send out a print and it look nothing like what you thought it was going to look like yeah it's not going to be helpful and not just that it's kind of like what you're doing takes so much time and effort the last thing you want to do is kind of harpoon all that just by sending out something that looks really terrible exactly yeah so my next question for you then is going to be, um, what is the biggest challenge of being a photographer? Um, well, I think, I mean, there are a lot of challenges. Um, one, like you said, uh, it, it's, it's difficult, I think, to find a community, especially right now. Um, so I think, I actually think that the pandemic itself is, uh, is the biggest challenge is that you're limited as far as, um, where you can go, um, you're, you're limited, uh, with where you can work with, you know, who will work with you, how close you can be to them. Um, uh, to me, honestly, another biggest challenge is this is in my experience is from the beginning of the pandemic to now, um, people's attitudes to seeing a man walking around with a camera has completely changed to, uh, when I first went around People were, oh, that's really cool. You have a camera. What are you doing? What kind of camera is that? To now, it's instant suspicion. And uh, I've had several people come up to me with their phone in their hand filming me, thinking I'm casing uh, a, their farmhouse or the, uh, a landscape or, or their house. And uh, it's, it's, I've really noticed the huge shifts in attitude. And at least once a week, I have someone really upset with me for being in a public space shooting photography and their mind instantly seems to jump to I'm up to something no good. So that that's been a challenge for me and, I, and I'm sensitive and I am all about treating people with respect. And it's hard when someone doesn't come out and say, Hey, 
I noticed that you're shooting. I'm just wondering what's going on. Um, you know, we've had some people break in, but when uh, people come out and like, sir, what are you doing shooting my house? Uh, it, that's really difficult for me because I just wouldn't, I, I could never see myself uh, going up to a stranger that way. Right. Um, it's jarring. That is such an interesting point. Yeah. Because it's not something that we really think about when we think about going out and shooting images because it's like more often than not, you're alone. And more often than not, you're going to these places that are probably a little bit more quieter than your average yeah. city or town. And it's like, you have to make sure you're very kind of conscious about how you appear, not yeah. even just what you're doing. And I think that's actually, I've never thought about that in terms of like, that is actually quite a risk you're taking because you don't yeah. know, particularly in somewhere like America where the gun law is a bit looser. Well, yes, we'd have a good law over here, but you know, it's a bit looser in terms of like, you know, you never know how people are going to react. You know, people you don't have people going to react first and foremost, you know. So that is actually pretty crazy. That's yeah, that's something that's actually something I wanted to pose on um one of my posts is just what people's experiences have been, um just in general, but then also yeah. around the world. Um, do attitude or attitudes I know it, you know. You here in the United States, people are um, very angry, very upset. A lot of people. Um, I think this has brought out people's the best and the worst in people. And yeah. um, there are people who are definitely angry, and they see an oppor. It feels like an opportunity to be able to get upset, and um, and sometimes understandably, you know. But um, but I think it's not. It's for me. It's all. It's it's kind of, it's what you say. It's, it's not what you say. It's how you say it. It's not what you do. It's how you do it. Yeah. And so, um, and I guess for me, I'm, it's kind of the experience of shooting photography is very meditative to me. So I'm, I try to make myself make sure I'm out in the open. And if I see someone smile and wave, but I am very much in my own world. And so that's why I said, it's very jarring when someone, all of a sudden someone's yelling at you, because I don't even see it coming because I'm just really just kind of in my own world, um, you know, trying to find images. So that, that's got me a little paranoid now, sometimes where before I, I, I would have gone and, and taken this shot, I'm, I'm a little uh, tentative now because I'm worried what the reaction is going to be. And, uh, you know, and if someone's going to go too far, or take it to the next level of being upset or thinking I'm trespassing. So that, that, that's, it's, it's hard to do that when sometimes I, I've seen a shot that I want to take, but I'm very nervous about that man standing over there, um, watching, you know, looking, eyeballing me, uh, makes me, you know, tentative to take that shot. Yeah. You've, and we, I think we always forget as well that not everybody understands photography, not everybody yes. understands kind of art and not everybody understands your intentions, um, uh, because yeah. obviously you're going into it from a very innocent place you're going out to take really cool images but people mm. don't understand that or people don't even think oh people do that so yeah yeah that's a really good point because i know from my own experiences people have definitely been a bit like well what the hell are you doing and yeah. you kind of think well why are you stopping me because you're just you know you're kind of you know minding your own business just getting on with it um and then the people can be very like oh you know question you know i, I don't like to, like to be honest if i'm out doing on a photo shoot i don't like to be questioned because i'm out doing that that's what i'm doing in my time you know exactly it's kind of i'm happy to explain to people and show them and kind of get them involved if they want to be involved but for the most part like 
I'm out here getting on with it because I've got a certain amount of time to do stuff in and I need to, you know, get on with it. So it's kind of like, yeah, it is, it's very disruptive it um, is. to your practice. And I think it's absolutely something that we should be talking about more as photographers, like a hundred percent. I think absolutely. Cause something that I think we've all experienced to some point, um, but we actually don't really talk about, we don't really mention that's a really good conversation to have. I think yeah, should totally have that conversation. And I think you're actually one of the best people to have that conversation um so yeah i think 100 percent do that i think it'll be great i think you'll, you'll get some interesting and horrific feedback i think yeah yeah I, I i'm really interested in it as far as regionally um and not just within this country but like yeah. throughout the world how attitudes are um concerning that um because i, I i'm just it's just it's fascinating to me it's interesting to me that um that i i think like you said is people don't under they really don't understand it because I, like for example one one time i was shooting from the street shooting this building a, a night shot with really cool lights on and uh, a security guard came up and asked what are you doing and i said oh i'm i'm doing night photography and he looked at me like now i've heard everything night photography and, and i i, I was kind of like well, have you ever seen a shot of the moon? Have you ever, like, he literally didn't believe that night, that I invented night photography for some nefarious reason that he really truly would, did not believe that, that such a thing existed. That's crazy. Yeah. Then, that, that's crazy. But then, but the thing that I find crazy about this whole situation is that if you were to pull your phone out, people wouldn't even bat an eyelid. Exactly. That that's I know that's what I say too when I have this conversation with other friends it, is if I really was pulling some Ocean Eleven stuff here and um, ca- casing your joint I would just use a phone yeah uh, not not a camera <laughs> that, that's so that's so interesting I had the exact same thought it just it frustrates me so much because you know you walk around town or you walk in any city and people are on their phones people are recording themselves and you in the background without your permission. Yeah. Um, but you but you take a camera out of your bag and people are suddenly staring you like what the hell are you doing you didn't ask for permission it's like well you're doing exactly the same thing with a phone yeah but it's fine i don't know it's just it's a it's just something that i've noticed over the years and something that i don't like like the city i live in if i want to shoot in the city center i have to have permission and it's like but why it's a public space like i don't need to have permission it's a public yeah. space but at the same time i also understand permission is always important to get but it's also like, who'd you get it from? Yeah. So, you know, I don't know. Like, I've been in London before shooting images for somebody and we were stopped by security guys and they were like, oh, you need to come with us because, you know, you're shooting images and you haven't got permission. And it's like, and they're like, you know, they sit you down and be like, oh, what are you doing? And it's like, well, it's not really any of your business as long as I'm not hurting anybody and I'm not doing anything illegal. It's kind yeah. of not really your business. And not just that, like, you know, I just don't really understand, like, why are you stopping me? Because I have a camera. Yeah, if I took my phone out, you wouldn't. It's just, I don't know. It's yeah, it, is. it bothers me. It bothers me greatly, I think, because it, it limits what we can do as creatives. And all we're trying to do is be creative. Yeah. Um, I think, you know, if you're putting your camera in somebody's face when they ask you not to, that's a different matter. Mm-hmm. But if we're just taking images of even, especially if it's like buildings, like you're not even taking pictures of people. It's just buildings. Yeah. So it's not even like you're invading somebody's space. Yeah. I mean, one could argue you are, but like, you know, their personal space. I don't know. I just think, I don't know. I think it's true. It's, it's like yeah. a, the the I think the phone because it's everywhere it just becomes socially acceptable and maybe it's it's the novelty of the the camera that triggers something I don't know it's an interesting conversation to have yeah absolutely and actually I have curiosity have you ever tried like street photography 
I've done a little bit with uh, Nico, um, but I, I kind of consider walking down this uh, a street, even if it's in a suburb street photography kind of, you know, or walking, yeah. even if it's in a suburb, um, I consider that kind of a form of street photography. Personally, I don't know if it fits the exact definition, but yeah. uh, as, yeah. as like, what you think of like a New York street yeah. photography where it's, you know, this, you know, the people walking across the street and the buildings in the background. Um, I, I don't know, Portland in our town right now is not a great place to go to. Um, it's really, there's a lot of violence and um, just a lot of problems going on. And I really don't like to visit it when I don't have to. So I, I kind of like staying out in the, um, in the suburbs and out, um, further out where, where there's, uh, more space, um, more freedom. And, um, that's just kind of where I've been at is I, I do like it, but there's just not been the pull for me to go downtown to the urban centers and, and, and really shoot that that much, except when I was working with Nico and he, he lived there and that gave me a reason to go. I think also the problem with like street photography, quote unquote, like in more kind of built up areas is because you're one person in a sea of many i think it could be quite like dangerous and or it yeah. could you know like safety in numbers really i guess is what i'm saying um Agreed. And yeah and if you're going out with somebody else who's doing the same thing it's not going to be viewed on with so much suspicion as opposed to you roaming around particularly getting pictures of people it's something that i would love to try but then i'd be like somewhere like london which is probably like not a, the best place to try but mm-hmm. i don't know Hey, I've got a few plans to go around the UK this year, so uh, I'm planning to try some at some point. Um, yeah, but we'll see. We'll see what happens. Um, sorry, this is like a whole ramble about. <laughs> oh no, worries. I, I like it. Just going where it goes. It's an interesting conversation to have, and I definitely feel like it's something that you should definitely um, bring up, like for sure. I think it'd be very, very interesting to see. And and actually, yeah. in fact, one thing that I want to do at some point with the flying fruit bowl is have like um, artist panel discussions. Um, so actually it might be worth getting like three or four different photographers together on like a zoom call and asking them the question about kind of photography and consent um, and seeing what they yeah. say something like that could be cool um, maybe yeah. I don't know so that I'm thinking about like think of a lot of different things that I'll probably never do but we'll see um, <laughs> like honestly we'll see I've got enough work for myself at the minute I don't want to give myself more work so yeah so um, earlier you said that you feel like you're a beginner photographer which you know is a I would personally say after looking at your work kind of debatable but um what do you think makes somebody a professional photographer or what is kind of like your kind of guidelines for being a professional photographer well i was thinking about this um and i guess you know maybe for me personally uh, i think there's maybe two two schools of looking at it and one is just that maybe like the textbook is like are you getting paid are you making a living off of your photography Therefore, you can call yourself a professional. And then um, I think of it as like, um, the are you at the top of the game? Are you considered by your peers and by those who do or consume your work to be one of the best? And that, and I consider like, like, a, like a basketball player, you are one of the best, you're, you're getting paid, but not only that, you are one of, if you're in the NBA, you're one of the top players in the world. And so they're a professional by that definition as well. And so um, that's why I, I, I neither am getting paid very much. I've done a few projects, but, um, but by, by either of those definitions, I, I would 
I'm not a professional. I'm maybe other people have different definitions, but I think you could be, you know, a lawyer and also be, be a photographer that makes zero money, but your artist is your work is considered professional work because it is just recognized as, as, you know, upper echelon photography. And I, I would consider that professional without a single cent being made. Yeah, that's actually a really good outlook on it, actually. I think very much so. Because I think, yeah, of course, we all assume professional photography means you're making a living. But I kind of feel like in this society, I think that's definitely changed a lot because I think photography isn't the same lucrative business as it once was. And I think we're all very aware of that now. Mm -hmm. Um, But it's also kind of interesting because with the rise of things like influencers and social media, the idea of what is and what isn't professional is very, very, very hard to distinguish because what we think is professional might not be professional or like our level or ideas of professionalism is based on people who necessarily aren't professional. So for instance, if you're inspired by a bunch of influencers who are, yeah, they're probably making money, but they're not like crazy rich millionaires making, you know, a ton of money and changing the industry. That is your opinion of professional. Um, Mm -hmm. And therefore anything that somebody does that's similar is going to be professional, but they're not actually professionals. I don't know if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Well, definitely. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I totally agree that, um, that, that has thrown a wrench in it and, uh, it's kind of a, a, a double-edged sword in a way. Um, and I, I know you were going to get to the, um, yeah. the, the social media of it all. And it's kinda, I, I find a little bit of irony in that I had, I had, I have a Facebook, but I don't use it. I, I never had Instagram before photography. So I didn't even know what I was doing for a long time. I think that's why it took me a while to discover these magazines and these artists. Um, my, my personal philosophy on, on social media, just, just for me is, um, and again, this is kind of ironic with doing photography is that I, I, I see where for a lot of people it goes is that it ends up being seeking validation for everything that you do for documenting things that are just for yourself or for that moment. And I, it, I find a lot of people living like uh, here's the, the example i like to use is people are at a concert a live concert the one chance where you truly get to be in the moment but you have your phone up filming it so you can then go later on social media and post it so people can say whoa you're at that concert that's so cool and so it's it's you're getting validation for the fact that you were there not and but but you didn't actually enjoy the get to enjoy the experience of being present live at the you know at this once in a lifetime event that that specific concert in that time will never happen again but this but this terrible audio quality version of it that you show your friends that you get value like and that that kind of thing i i see a lot of that and i didn't want to get caught up in that and so i just kind of made for myself a decision that i i just want what i do to be enough as as it is what i eat where i go um, that, that should be, en- that should be fulfilling enough. Not that I need to necessarily share it. Maybe if something, some big event happens, but, um, I just didn't want to get stuck in that, um, addictive pattern of, uh, of needing validation for everything I do or say, but then the irony is here I am on Instagram, checking how many likes I have and how many followers. And, and so, and there's another form of validation. Um, and I guess you can maybe make a distinction between the two, but um, 
it's so that's like kind of the double-edged sword for me is that uh, I'm now on Instagram doing what I said I wasn't going to do, but I justify it by saying, well, it's because it's for my art form. <laughs> so right or wrong, I guess that's, that's how I um, make sense of it. So I think that's a really good philosophy to have. I think that's the best philosophy to have really, because you're not putting pressure on yourself to do stuff. You're not putting pressure on yourself to care about the attention as opposed to what you're actually doing with your life. Like, and that's just for life, your life in general, not just, you know, your art. Um, yeah. And I think that is the best philosophy to have, but I think you can make a distinction because it's like, you're not necessarily online. You're online as an artist, but you're not necessarily yeah. online as a person. I think yeah. there is a big difference between the two. And I think sometimes it's, it's helpful and sometimes it's, it hinders. But I think there's a big difference between the two. If you were all up in your stories with your face all the time, showing people what you're eating, all that kind mm-hmm. of stuff, that'd be very different. Um, yeah. But you're not. It's quite You're quite mysterious. Like a lot of photographers, like a lot of artists, like a lot of yeah. people I just know, you're very mysterious because we don't really know you. We just see your work because that's what you're interested in showing. And I think yeah. that's the distinction you've made there just by doing that. So that's what's interesting, I think. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Like that, I guess that that's my philosophy is I really do want uh, the art to speak for itself. I don't want to influence people in one way or the other or make it be about me necessarily. I just want people to have uh, uh, the opportunity to enjoy it or not enjoy it as they see fit. Yeah. It's definitely interesting for me as somebody who looks at a lot of different artists and engage with a lot of different artists, how people kind of have very different opinions and very different kind of ways of approaching the whole idea of artist and personality and which one is kind of like the dominant nature. Because, you know, and actually that leads me to a question I was asking you now, actually. So like, yeah. um, are you, so I was talking to a really great photographer called um, I'm Surrounded By, such a lovely guy, such a great, such a great artist. Um, I'll mm-hmm. send you his work later. Um, yeah. And we were talking about the idea of being introverted and extroverted and how that kind of plays a role in the work you create and the way you create. And I, just yeah. wanted to, I guess I want to come on to the ask. Um, would you say you're more introverted and extrovert or extroverted? Um, I honestly, I, I think I'm a hybrid, but I think my, my, um, my go-to, my, like my set is int- introvert. But it, it's it's kind of mood and situational based. I can be an extrovert in, in certain situations, um, but when definitely in new new places and with strangers and stuff, I, I tend to go into introvert and introspective more. Um, and yeah, and I, I think that does, um, like I said um, in, in my example with um, not taking some shots. Sometimes I think where someone who's a little more extra more gregarious more you know um might just say you know i don't i don't care i am i am getting this picture no matter what i i don't what other people think of me what they say to me does not bother me um i'm getting this shot and and with me i'm i'm more introspective thinking okay what is this person going to think if i do this are they going to and if they say something is is going to ruin my day and then i'm not going to want to shoot anymore and so that, that it does, it affects my decision-making and um, it affects where I shoot too. That's actually really interesting because yeah. I just feel like people's personality and their nature is very, like it has a lot of bearing on the way they are and the, what, you know, as you said, you know, what they're willing to do and what they're not willing to do. Um, yeah. 
you know, there are a lot of artists that I personally know who are very good at, at promoting themselves and very good yeah. at being like, oh, everybody look at what I'm doing. Oh, this is what I'm doing. How cool is it? Whereas in a lot of artists I know are very much not like that. They'd rather just create the work and put it out there. And if people like it, they like it. If they don't, they don't. They're not yeah. like needing people to see what they're doing. They're just, they're almost passive, but not in a negative way, as yeah. opposed to engaging in a negative way, if that makes sense. Oh yeah, it makes sense, total sense. Um, the, the one thing though that um, this um, mentor I'm working with now, and um, when when I told him, you know, I'm looking to, you know, make this into a career of, because um, there's so many directions you can go with photography and, and not yeah. all of it is, is the art that you want to do. It's maybe, yeah. you know, family portraits or real estate or whatever. And what he, this is what he swears to me. And I, I've kind of read this in some articles is that number, the number one most important thing is your business and people sense. And then number two is being an adequate artist. Yeah. Um, and that, and that makes sense to me. And so the, the self-promotion, um, the business savvy, um, that totally makes sense. And that's something I'm not a natural at because I am a little bit more passive. Um, I, I, I just like, to have the um the space the platform and then let the photography do his working but but i i see how promoting yourself getting your name out there um you know being on several different platforms uh, that i think those people probably are a lot of times more successful i think that emotion that very much depends on your idea of success yeah um and your idea of well actually i just feel like looks are very deceiving if I'm honest, yeah. I think in the society, I think what we consider successful and what we consider people quote unquote doing well, I don't think it's necessarily, and that's not being negative. I just don't think it's necessarily always all, all it's cracked up to be. I don't mm -hmm. think. And I think it's very easy to look at a really great photographer and be like, damn, I wish I was doing that. Or like you look at somebody else and be like, you know, oh, this person's really made it. They know what they're doing because especially with the algorithm nobody knows what they're doing oh my god um on any platform so it's not like people have cracked it and unless you're friends with you know the people who run instagram and tiktok you know yeah you're not gonna get you know it's, it's literally just part it's part look part hard work and you know i don't know it's, there's a lot of i don't know i sometimes the thing is like i see a lot of especially photographers um chasing a dream that they might not realize is not theirs and I think yeah. that's the, the thing that's important to me is to make people realize that like what you see somebody else doing is not your journey. That's not yeah. how it's going to work for you. Like you can't live somebody else's dream. You can mm -hmm. admire what people are doing and you can be inspired to do something similar, but it's not going to work out in the same way for you. If, if you see somebody with, you know, 10,000 followers and they're making a ton of money and they're selling prints, that doesn't mean that when you get 10,000 followers, you'll be making a, money, uh, making a lot of money selling prints. Like it's, exactly. it doesn't match up. And I think we forget that very easily. We kind of feel like, oh, this person's doing this. I need to be doing that. And that's actually not the way you need to do it at all. I think you need to just focus on what makes you happy first and foremost, mm -hmm. and what makes you satisfied with, with the time you're spending because it's your life you're, you're dedicating to the craft. Yeah. You're not going to get that back. Yeah. Oh, that totally makes sense. Yeah. It, it, it's hard. I think it's kind of human nature to compare, yeah. you know, yourself, your work to others, and you have to kind of train yourself out of it um, to really, to, you know, 
be in comp- in competition with yourself to be the, yeah. to be better than you were yesterday or better you're that you're, you're you continue to evolve it's very difficult it's one of those things that we all say but then probably most of us struggle with is like yeah don't when you're giving advice you know we're amazing at giving the advice but not as great as at following our own advice you know whether it be relationships or you know work or whatever uh, we know we know it, but it's so ingrained in us. We kind of have to retrain ourselves because there. I mean, there are definitely photographers on there that I am envious of. That I feel their work's amazing, and I and I feel like, oh, I'm never going to be that good. And then I have to kind of stop myself and think, no, I physically like will make myself look at my earlier work and then look at newer work and say, no, I, I'm I'm better now. I, I see improvements. I'm getting better. And this person's journey. And another thing I tell myself, and this just happens to work for me, is I remind myself of this all the time, that such and such was already, in my eyes, great before I picked up a camera. So I, I try to keep that. For me, that just something clicks in that, oh, got you. This person has, has spent, um, they've, they put in the hours, they put in the time before you even picked up a camera. So it's... It, it's not even fair for yourself to even to, to, to go in that direction of comparing. Yeah, that's so true. You're right, because we forget that everybody has their own past and they have their yeah. own history of, of their craft and what they have and what they haven't done and how much time they have or haven't spent. And, and also, it's just kind of like we just don't really know what people's journeys have been like. So we can't yeah. really say, you know, oh, this photographer blew up overnight. And it's like, yeah, of course, yeah, they might have. And that's good for them, but I don't. I don't know. I, just, I find social media and the whole kind of comparison game very strange. Yeah, um, you know, it's something that we all do, and it's something that you know we'll continue to do because mm-hmm. it's quite hard to not. But it's just something that I see a lot of artists kind of really, really get caught up in, in not such a good way. Um, there's a yeah. lot of people I know who are very. It gets them down a lot, and it makes them feel like unmotivated, and it's like that's really the biggest shame because it's like everybody feels this way and it's yeah. like you just have to remember you have to keep yourself happy first and foremost you have to make sure that you're you know you're spending the time doing what you want to do when you want to do it not what mm-hmm. the algorithm dictates you to do or what you yeah. feel like is going to be better you know that's just my opinion i mean yeah and uh, another thing that uh this mentor i'm working with told me and um and you know and this we have similar personalities and i, I explained to him that you know, as I'm kind of a beginner. And so when I show, you know, someone who's more experienced that I show them my work, I, I feel kind of like a fraud and maybe that sounds too harsh, but, but he said, I feel the exact same way. And I have always felt the exact same way. And I still feel that way. And, um, and you know, he's been doing it 20 years and he would be what you consider successful or, you know, professional. And, and it's, um, it's, it's one of those things where it's also, but it's what drives me. Um, if I didn't feel that way, I don't think it's, again, it's a double-edged sword, but um, not being satisfied is really what pushes me to be better at my craft. And so if it weren't like, because I, th- I think if you are satisfied at anything that you do, then you, you're not going to improve. You're not going to involve. If you're like, okay, I've made it. I am amazing at photography. I don't see where then that uh, inner drive would come from. That's just speaking for me personally. Other people yeah. might have a different experience, but for me, that that is 
Um, but the thing is, is, is to know that um, that doesn't change. And uh, it, re- it reminds me of a, a documentary I watched on happiness. And they did this survey of, um, they interviewed people uh, about money. And they asked people who made 10000 a year, how much is a lot of money? And they said 100000 And they asked people who made 100000 a year, how much is a lot of money? And they said a million. And they asked people who made a million a year, how much is a lot of money? And they said a billion, which is the, this idea that we adjust. We Humans are just have this amazing ability to adjust to our circumstances. And there is something wired into us that there's this never enough that you have to, um, that you have to get, you have to really try to train out of yourself. Um, because you can, there are people that are billionaires that, that, that believe that that's not very much money. But if you would ask their younger self that was broke, they would say that's plenty, but, um, it's just that lack it's, you don't, I I think, yeah, it doesn't serve to, to come from this place of lack that it's not enough. It's, it's good to, um, reflect on, okay, uh, where was I and now where am I and and where do I want to go and try to, and try to stay as neutral, um, as, as you, as you can be about it and not, not being like positive or negative necessarily, but just an honest assessment. I really agree with that. No, I really agree with that. And I think it's it's actually really funny because that's actually a conversation I actually had with one of my colleagues, my work colleagues, not that long ago about the idea that, you know, particularly when it comes to finances, like what you have is never enough. Like, yeah, you know, you might be in a better financial situation now than you were a year ago. Yeah, it's still not enough. Yeah. Mm-hmm. A year ago, you would have loved to be in the position you're in now. It's, it's weird. Um, it's so weird. And actually, I had, and again, I actually had this conversation with another friend, Asha's friend of mine. Um, and I said to her, you know, the one thing I want to I tell people nowadays, and that actually the piece of advice I'm giving to everybody nowadays is, you know, be grateful for what you have now, because there yeah. was a time in your life where you didn't have it and yeah. you would have wanted it. It would have been like right now, where you are right now would have been the pinnacle. Um, so you exactly. should be grateful of what you have because not everybody has what you have, even if it doesn't seem like a lot or even if it's not a lot, it's still something and something is yeah. always better than nothing. Um, exactly i mean that's my personal philosophy this year at least um in terms of my life, which is cool i agree nice. yeah and, and and i guess the ultimate the um what what they found was they they really like kind of figured out this well according to this documentary they they did this kind of 30 year across all cultures and social economic levels and it was a study on happiness and what makes people happy and there was this pie chart and um what they found as far as money was concerned was that um, once you reach this place where, you know, the um, has a hierarchy of needs. Um, once you meet that, I can, um, I can feed myself. I can shelter myself. And what they determined was for us currency, like $50,000 a year. Once you've reached that point, there is no increase in happiness after that for humans. Once you, once you have your basic needs met, the the happiness of someone who um can't afford to pay their bills they can't um they just lost their apartment they um you know don't know where the next meal is coming to to a person who has enough to just you know pay their bills you know they've got their place um there's there's a difference there but once you get to that level there is no difference in um reported happiness that's so interesting i'm actually gonna look up 
I can add that actually in terms of like studies and the hierarchy of needs. I think that's really important to, to remind yourself of actually. I'm, I've just typed it down, so I'm definitely going to check that out. And that's really, really interesting. Yeah. Um, that's really interesting actually. It's not something I've ever really kind of considered in, ter- in terms of the way of like what has science said, but like that's actually really fascinating. So yeah. thank you very much. Yeah, because because psychology and science has, had spent so much time on um, on depression and, and, and negativity that that this like kind of the study of happiness is somewhat is relatively new. Um, and so I've, I've read a lot of um, nonfiction and a lot of self-help and stuff. And I find that it helps to, to, to take little bits of um, information that stick in my head as kind of mantras to remind myself yeah. when I feel myself not being present or in the moment or being down on myself to, to remember things like that, that, you know, if, if I had a million, you know, you see, uh, like if you see those do- uh, documentaries of lottery winners yeah. that a, a year later, they're back where they started. They're not happier. They've spent it. We just, it's just the human's ability to adapt is, and just like, I think the same thing with technology. If, if you were to tell us when we were kids that there would be this phone called a smartphone, it would blow your, blow your mind. But we, now people are like, oh man, my phone is so crappy. I have no, and but literally we have a magic box in our hand. Yeah. So I, I like to say to like, and I, I sincerely believe this, that if teleportation were to exist, if it were invented tomorrow in a year, people would be complaining that, oh my God, I had to wait in a five minute line to teleport to Tokyo. Can you believe that? Five minute <laughs> wait. There would be something to come, you know, there, because like we ride in a, an airplane, which is, you know, magic to a hundred years ago. And we mainly complain about it that we were able to get across the world. So it's just, again, it's just, it's, it's our way of, we adapt and then find fault. And so I just think that that is the nature of things that make our lives easier. Also we adapt and then it no longer has that novelty to it. That's very, very, very cool and very interesting in terms of like how that relates to the idea of need, you know, yeah. particularly, particularly when it comes to creativity and it's like, you know, you're spending so much time and effort creating something and there's, you know, which you feel like you need to create. Um, mm-hmm. And then if people don't look at it, you can almost kind of feel like, well, was that worth the time? And then you yeah. doubt yourself and then because you're doubting yourself, you know, your whole career is up in kind of like flames and you're like, oh, you know, and then it's like, you know, your self-worth is, you know, lower and it's just kind of a whole, I don't know. It's, it's a, it's a very damaging, it can be very damaging to people. And I think um, yeah. many careers have been lost because of, um, you know, kind of not really thinking about things in a more positive way or kind of realizing that, you know, maybe quite cynically that, you know, mm-hmm. it doesn't really matter that much. Like if you get a million views or 10 views, it doesn't really matter because yeah. unless your bank balance is moving up, nothing you do really matters. And even that, not even matter depending on your circumstances mm-hmm. you know sometimes making money can also be a problem yeah. if you have to pay taxes i mean yeah you know exactly. i don't know we live in a very strange world that's all i know we do yeah <laughs> right so uh, that's let's interesting go, let's get on to your work because we haven't actually, okay yeah <laughs> i'm Sounds so sorry good. we've been here for like almost an hour and we haven't gone to your work yet i do apologize it's all right i i like i like the i like having the conversation listen as long as that's okay with you that's probably fine with me i just want to make sure because I, I feel like i don't want to waste your time no um 
I'm enjoying, I'm enjoying this. I mean, I had a feeling after talking to Nico, um, that we would be, because Nico and I have had conversations and he likes yeah. to talk too. And, yeah, and, and, and I mean that in a, in a great way. Oh um, yeah, no, of course. He's, yeah, absolutely. He's, he's honest. One of the coolest people I've met. Honestly, he truly yeah. is. Um, but yeah, I'm very lucky. Super that bummed that he moved away because I had just made a great new friend and, and kind of a person to collaborate. And he really helped influence my work and really honestly took it up. And the handful of times we hung out, I feel like my art, my abilities went up so much with what he taught me. I think that's really, actually, I know that's, this is kind of off topic in terms of like the actual order, but that's kind of something that's really interesting. That I think we kind of need more as photographers. It's more yeah. kind of physical support in terms of like going out, being actually going to go out in groups and shoot or with another person or kind of have more of a like, even like a buddy system or something like that, where yeah. you can actually learn from somebody. I guess it's just like, as you're saying earlier, with the mentorship, it's like having kind of like a mentor or a friend, even just showing you the ropes or just hanging out with you and just talking yeah. photography. Because I think photography can often be quite a solo pursuit. It can be quite a lonely pursuit, um, especially if you're online and you don't talk to a lot of artists. Mm-hmm. So I think and that's, see, and that's where need. Nico, I, he, I don't know whether he considered himself an introvert or extrovert, but I consider him in that sense an extrovert. Um, and like he's like you in that he has a great way of putting people together and connecting them together and creating communities. And um, I just knew that if he had stayed here, he would have, we did a couple of photography walks and we started to get yeah. artists to come with us. And he just has this innate likability and um, down to earth sense that you just want to be around him. And, um, and he, uh, you just don't feel judged by him. That's the perfect person you want. And, and, and art an artistic form endeavor is to just to bear yourself and know that you're not being judged. It's because he's so genuine. That's why. Yeah. His, exactly. Also, he's very, very open. Like, like he is. just talking to him about a lot of his life and just kind of things he's interested in. He's very open and he, he respects is. everybody equally. And, you know, people like that are the people you need at the forefront of communities because that way the community is going to be, you know, ever expanding in the best way possible. It's not going to be gated. It's not going to yeah. be, you know, oh, you can't do this, you can't do that. It's going to be like, you know, let's enjoy this together and i think yeah he's definitely one of like he 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 can definitely be one of the pillars of the art community i i feel like i agree with that yes i, I agree i consider him a mentor and kind of uh, he's who i go to for advice on issue on certain just just issues in general um issues on um if i'm on the fence about a photo and yeah. he'll be honest i mean it's 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 positive but um it's it's always positive but uh but he he just gives me this uh i don't know he's wise he's wise beyond his years he's an old yeah. soul and i feel very comfortable um going to him for advice on d- just all sorts of different matters with the art form and i know i'm going to get a, an authentic um positive experience from it yes absolutely he's one of the very few people that i would absolutely love to curate the fine fruit bowl um because at some point I would love to hire people to create stuff because doing everything by yourself is very tiring. Um, yeah. But he's one of the very few people that I would absolutely love to work with. And he's, he's just one of the people I honestly, he deserves every success he gets. He really does. And yeah. it's funny because he's going to hear this because he's going to listen. Um, so it's funny. Yeah. I was like, no, I, I agree. And that's why I, it was like, um, 
you know, the selfish part of me was like, oh, please don't leave me because I just yeah. felt like we, there was so much we could do together. And I still think there is. Um, yeah. But, um, but when there's just that um, physical location, when you're closer, there's more that can be accomplished. We still work together. We still talk a lot and we still um, are working on projects and he helps with Dustville and, yes. and, and has given us a lot of advice and really helped us. So um, I, it's just, I was sad to see him go because I saw, I saw that partnership and what he could do really, unfortunately not be able to, to um, I just saw a community starting to build and, and I wish I had some of those qualities that he has that could bring in people like that. Yeah, that's true. But then, hey, never say never. You never know what's yeah, going to happen. Yeah, that's like. true. He might be back. You never know. Yeah, that's true. You know. I've, I, he's, he's, he's hinted at it, and I've tried to <laughs> I try, made it, make it tempting to him. <laughs> I mean, to be honest, it's kind of like once you find a community that are like that or like where you make such strong connections, yeah, okay, life gets in the way, and, you know, you choose to do certain things, but – it's kind of nice to have that. And I think we definitely, as a society, society, and particularly in the photography, we don't really have that physical kind of grouping as, you no. know, because the idea to me, the idea of a bunch of photographers going on a photo walk is like the best thing ever because here in the UK, at least for me, where I live, nothing like is going to happen anytime soon in any kind of interesting way. Um, yeah. Like, it, stuff like that happens, obviously, but it won't be anything like, cool atmospheric night images it's gonna literally be like let's take pictures of birds which is cool but, yeah um you know it's like for me and the stuff i'm interested in and the things that you know the potential you could have like if you want to make a zine or if you want to you know collaborate on a podcast or if you want to just make things and do things there's not always the opportunities there and the community there like physically mm -hmm. i kind of feel like that's it's kind of a shame, but it's also kind of good because, you know, as we'll definitely go into much later, like you are also doing that with Dustville. So, you know, which I want to quickly say before we, this is a conversation we're going to have a lot later, but that is probably yeah. my favorite Instagram account, probably. Oh, oh that's awesome. Um, which is, honestly, I have notification turned on. I need to literally see anything you post anytime. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, honestly, it's one of my favorites. It's seriously, awesome. it's like anytime I can support it, I sure as hell will. Um, I appreciate Because you do such a good job, like such a good job. Um, but hey, I'll fanboy over you later. So that's perfect. All um, right. Sounds good. So, okay. Let's get into your work. All right. Sounds good. So for those who haven't seen it, can you please describe your work? Uh, I would describe my work as, as atmospheric um, and moody, you know, kind of landscape work. Um, just it's mainly shot outdoors um, and it's mainly close to me um i like i like finding um stuff within my area and i like taking a scene and creating something where someone who has passed it doesn't even recognize that that's what i shot um which is i i've showed pictures to friends and they're like oh that's really cool where is that i'm like that's down the street from you and I, that's one of my favorite reactions is oh that's really cool where is that and, and it's something, and, and it's a spot that they know so well. And that's the, I think that's the beauty of our, or what I like to convey is, um, is what, what you see with your eyes, with our senses. And now what, how can I take that and find something that's interesting and create a different mood or atmosphere than what you would see with your own senses. And so I guess that's how I describe it is 
moody atmospheric um, photography and it, it ends up being I think colder feeling um, and sometimes ominous or creepy and not necessarily intentionally or consciously but it's just how it has kind of happened so do you consider that the images you shoot are in the reality we live in or are they their own separate reality? Um, wow. I, I haven't considered that. I, um, I mean, I don't, I don't, that's a good, that's a great question. Um, I consider them, I think I consider them our reality, but it's, it's a, looking at it in a different way. Um, like when I first started my my kind of philosophy was okay the human stands up and looks from a, a 90 degree angle at at the world so i'm going to go to 45 degrees or i'm going to go to you know 75 or and therefore it just create just by creating a level difference you see the world in a different way so we're I, i'm showing you the world but uh, you usually don't bend down and look up from a 45 degree angle so you you might not have noticed that um, and so, and I kind of moved from that a little bit more to, um, being able to do with playing with editing and with colors and atmosphere that, that same kind of thing. Like this is, this is the world I see with my eyes, but whoa, I've never, I never imagined that it could look like this. Yeah. Cause I think one of the paradoxes about photography and especially film as in cinematography is that you're using the real world to take images but mm -hmm. the images aren't necessarily of the real world yeah. at the end. Um, and the idea of like photographic reality is something I've always been fascinated with. And this kind of idea is like, how does capturing an image at a moment in time and then editing it affect the actual place you're taking the image of? And um, just a really interesting question to ask people and how they feel about their own work, because it's like, you were present when these images were shot. So yeah. you're conscious of everything that happened within that time space. Yeah. Versus the viewer, we only just see the final image and we're presented with this place. It's almost like liminal spaces, which is what I bring up with probably almost every photographer I've spoken to. Mm -hmm. We see these places that seem a bit odd and strange and a bit off, but to whoever actually exists in that space, that's normal. Um, so they're kind of very active, I guess, engaging the viewer and kind of just showing the viewer something different to what they normally see is kind of like the purpose of your yeah. work, I guess. I don't know. It's kind yeah. of interesting the way reality works in images, especially. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. That, I mean, I think that's, uh, you know, I looked at a lot of the questions you asked and, so, and a lot of it kind of, I hadn't consciously thought of, um, and the way that, that some of it, I, I had a little bit, but, um, but on, on reflecting of, of it, I guess my, I go out looking for something that is interesting. My head's just on a swivel and something that just I find interesting. And then I go from there to how can I create more interest, more um, feeling, more emotion uh, to this, this scene that I found interesting. And I guess that's what I hope to invoke is, is whether it's some visceral reaction uh, or emotion that you have, or just, the, just that this is interesting. This isn't what I see every day. This isn't what I see with my own two eyes when I experience reality. Um, I guess that's kind of my intent is, um, and so for me, I, it's funny as I, I was, I was dating a woman who, um, and we had this kind of debate that she wasn't a photographer, but she was a hiker. 
And she swore, she like, she was adamant that when you take a picture, you must post the picture as is, because that yeah. is, the, that is the world as you see it. And, and I said, my response always was, I respect that, but you have to take into consideration that our senses see, see the world, uh, as three-dimensional and by taking a photo- a picture of it, you have now condensed it into two dimensions. So it really, I disagree that that is what you saw. I, 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 I think that's a, a copy of what you saw that has been flattened, has been, um, you know, reframed and structured in a different way. So I, so well, the, the editing thing could be a totally different thing. Uh, and I understand why people are maybe, you know, don't feel you should edit or whatever. I think, and this is just the same thing with music is some people with bands are like, if you can't do it live, you shouldn't do it in the studio. Some people are like purists like that, or you should record live because that's how you sound. And, I, and I'm of the belief that you do whatever it takes to make the image that you have in your head, the, your vision come true. And so whatever you can do editing wise, um, whatever vision you have in your head, whatever tools you have to make that a reality, you do that. But I understand why other people think, no, that's not pure. Um, but I just think with her, with that argument of that's exactly what I saw. And by changing it, I'm changing what I saw. I a little bit disagree with that because the act of taking a photograph does change it. So, yeah, I agree with you. And I think that actually kind of comes down, I guess, and I'm thinking about it to kind of how educated people are in terms of history of photography. Because, mm-hmm. you know, we're, I think for a lot of people who I like to call like the general public, who are not yeah. necessarily creative, um, or at least kind of, wait, let me phrase that, who are not necessarily involved in a creative practice. That's probably what yeah. I put it. Um, I think they fail to realize that, like, there are different elements to photography. A lot of people just see the whole, Oh, let's take a picture. This is selfie. This is real life. This is me posting whatever, even though it's probably photoshopped. But people mm-hmm. see it as in like photography is a reflection of the world, not photography is a vehicle to capture the world. They're, they're two very different things. Mm-hmm. Um, and the world you're capturing isn't necessarily the world we live in. It could be an alternative kind of reality through editing. You know, it's like yeah. there's a lot of layers to photography that I think maybe the general public don't necessarily even realize exist because, you know, unless you're in that creative field and you're kind of doing that kind of work, you're not necessarily going to realize that. So yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. It's the same thing I think of, again, I like to use music a lot, but um, I think um, before you, you learn an instrument, um, I think most people hear the music as a whole, a single, a unified yeah. one thing that, and, and they like it or they dislike it, but then you learn the instruments and then you, you hear the pieces, you hear the parts. You're like, there's the bass, there's the snare drum, there's the kick, there's the guitar, there's the lead. Um, here's the harmony. And so, and so you see it in pieces and you don't just see it as a collective whole. That is a thing that, that sounds good to you or doesn't sound good to you. And same thing with photography. I, uh, I, when I looked at a picture before, I just saw the image. Do, do I like it or do I not? And now I see, okay, I, I see that. It, is this a composite or is this been edited? Have they added color? Have they dodged and burned it? I, I you, you see it as, as layers and levels to it. And so I think that's just something that, um, and, and I'm sure that's the case in, in any art form or any technical yeah. skill is, you know, to a layman, you see the whole, but to someone who's done it, that you see the intricacies of it, that, that create, you see the pieces that create that. That's a great way to explain that. 
that's such a good way to explain it and that's actually so true like it makes you think of like music like i make a bit of music nothing cool but um it's kind of interesting how when you listen to something back that you listened to years ago it's kind of like you realize you know oh that snare drum sounds good or oh, that bass is really cool and you kind of pick yeah. up different elements and and even with images you look at an image and you may not even like the image you may just like the intention or you may just like the color or you may just like the angle it's, you don't have to mm -hmm. like the whole thing you can like elements too um, yeah and i think that's also very important to realize because i think a lot of people just think you either like an image or you don't when actually particularly for us creative types it, it's not that at all most of the time we don't even like the whole thing there's something about it we like i agree um, which is very interesting that i said that because i was just thinking about something i posted earlier i'm like oh <laughs> um i actually have a book well it's a pdf that you might be very interested in it's um, okay. called photography and time by david company okay. um, i don't know if you've ever read anything by david company but if you haven't, I would recommend you read his book, The Cinematic. I need to buy it. I read it when I was doing a degree in photography. Um, okay. And I used it for my dissertation. And um, I've got, a, I've just got a PDF. I'll send it over. It's about cinema and time and photography. It's a very interesting read. It's one of those books that I read that have really resonated with me and kind of in a way affected the way I do things, or at least my thoughts on photography. So I'll um, send it over to you because I have a PDF version of one of them. The other one I'll send oh, it over to. Um, yeah, and there's actually a couple of other pdfs i have about just kind of some weird like that like kind of like reality and kind of like time and stuff which i'll send over as well i need to put up a link of resources somewhere at some point some i love very never some that never ending to-do list so um i'll send some over though because i have your email address if you like yeah. oh definitely yeah right, it's cool. the uh, it's the same thing as uh you know any learning is um you know so, sometimes something just connects with you and makes you yeah. um have an understanding in a different way that you hadn't you know, you, you hadn't understood it before. Um, and for, like, for example, I did last summer, I, I went and saw, I took a lesson, just one lesson from a photographer and, and it's, this is part of your question. So I hope you don't mind me preempting it. Um, when you talk about, do you think of the person just looking at as a, as an observer, like, uh, looking at the photo or are they, part of the experience of looking at the photo and i i before had just thought of the the picture of itself and then you're just merely looking at it and experiencing it and he kind of explained to me the idea of imagining yourself being the eyes and then yeah. and um and so then where are things relative in space and and how distance um and color and tone and shadowing um changes um, the vibe you get from it. And so that really, I, and, and you mentioned me, um, opening up more, um, space and that's what caused me to do that was I started picturing a person standing in that place and what they might be thinking or feeling, because when I go back to my older stuff, it looks, it feels more claustrophobic to me as if the, a, a person wouldn't really be, if they were to be looking at this house or this, you know, tree, they wouldn't be standing there that um, it, it would be too claustrophobic for them to take it in. And so I, I really played with opening that up more. Um, so there's, so there's more to, there's more space, there's more negative space there. It, it, it allows the person to step into it more. Yes, absolutely. Um, I'm actually glad you brought that up. Okay. I might as well just transition to that question now, because I don't know if you, I'm assuming you know which image I'm talking about. Yeah. Um, but there's an image that you shot where it's through like a moving car and we see yeah. the car's headlights in the road in front. And honestly, that is an image I would love a print of. Um, 
I'm, I'm currently buying print. I'm on a little mini print spree at the minute. So um, if you if you are making prints of that image, yeah, um, please let me know because I would love to own it. I think it's incredible. Awesome, um, thank you. It, there's something about that image that I looked at and I was like, this is very different um, in the best possible way. And it's kind of, it's like one of those images that are really on my mind lately in terms of like, oh, well, actually, I like this idea of being the observer as the viewer. Um, and honestly, it's making me think about my own work. So honestly, it's great. It's such a good image. And could you just talk a bit about kind of like the backstory behind that image? I'm genuinely just really curious. Yeah. Um, I guess it was kind of spontaneous, but uh, but also I, I was influenced by a picture I, uh, that Dustfield posted um, kind of towards the beginning where someone did a picture and it was snowing and the, and the snow was kind of kind of formed like, the, you know, you could see like the trail behind the snow. And I thought that had like almost like this Star Wars, you know, space travel effect, um, you know, like you're you're going through the time warp or whatever. And and so I was just out on a day where were very few days when it snowed. And I just had this idea just kind of at the moment that came to me. And I just it was on a road where no one else was on. Except, I mean, very few people. And I was going pretty slow and I just set it just right on my dash. And I took about five shots in a row. And, um, and when the first one, I, I knew it was going to kind of work. And then the one with the sign, it, I, I, it really worked. And it was kind of a like lucky coincidence. Sometimes it's, you know, it's yeah. better to be lucky than good kind of thing. But I did, I did, I really liked the way that, that, turned out it was i would like to say i you know came up with it with yeah. no you know outside influence but a picture definitely gave me that idea to give it a try that's so cool i think the fact that it was more spontaneous is actually even cooler and again let's go out of order because we might as well but um are you like i'm more of a spontaneous photographer or do you plan things uh i would say both um i have i, I try to go out every day or just about every day, at least five times a week. Um, wow. And I usually go with, with uh, a location in mind. I scout a lot when I'm driving around, but more often than not, uh, something catches my eye on the way there <laughs> and I yeah. never make it to my destination. <laughs> um, right. Yeah. I think some of my best shots are, I was on the way to this amazing building I found for a night shot. And then this show, I drove by and saw this tree and just pulled over and never made it to the, the original destination. And so I, I, you, I do go out and with kind of an idea of what I'm looking to do, like, okay, tonight I'm looking to um, go on a, go out in the country and um, find something that interests me. I'm going to go out to this city where I know there's, you know, power lines or trees but but what what i find is just the first thing that catches my interest and so i i go from there and then um and i i shoot a lot like i i have said one more one more shot uh on like a thousand times like there's just something about me and i've, I've heard people other photographers talk about this and i think maybe as they their skills improve and they hone in but i just want to make sure I've got it. So I get like, honestly, like 10 extras of any shot I have just, just in case I can't, I play with, you know, the aperture or the shutter speed. 
because sometimes you just one shot just looks better. Even if it's almost identical, the other is just um, easier to manipulate or work with, or the tones that I want to use work better with this shot. That's just a teeny bit different or just the angles a little bit different for some reason that works for me, but I end up with easily several hundred shots every time I go out. That's insane. You must have yeah. a very big high drive. Yeah, I, 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 guess, I guess with the digital, I like to err on the side of I'd rather, you know, have a shot and not need it than say, oh, I wish I'd taken one more yeah. of that and got the right shot. Oh, that leads me into two different directions. Um, okay, so let's go with this one. So okay. do you shoot film or digital or both? Uh, digital. Yeah. I actually did take um, photography in high school for a year and I did enjoy it. Um, but I, and, and I told myself one day I would do it again. Um, but I definitely, I like digital, especially for a beginner. Like if someone were to ask me like for a beginner, what would you recommend? And I, I would say, do how much money do you have for one? Like, cause I, what I hear is it's expensive. And then you're, you're working with limited resources. And so, um, I like the idea that it's kind of unlimited. Um, especially as much of what I do is trial and error. I just like the idea that I get as many chances I'm in this moment, but I get several chances at it. Um, as opposed to I've got X amount of shots on here before I have to get them developed. So I, I, I would like to eventually once, uh, maybe once I feel where I can get the shot I want quicker <laughs> that, yeah. um, I would, I would definitely like to go into film and try it, but I, um, as far as the, um, the, the debate of, of film versus, uh, digital, digital I think whatever work, my, my personal philosophy is whatever works for you, whatever looks right to you, go, go for that. I, I definitely am not a person that is snobby or anything about, only this is the pure form. I know some people are, and that's fine if that is that if that's their philosophy. But for me, it's just whatever works for you, honestly. So that's actually really interesting because I interviewed a photographer not that long ago, actually, Caffeine Cowboy. You probably know him. Oh yeah. yeah. Um, and I asked him about film digital, and obviously he shoots everything on film. Yeah. He, but interestingly, he said to me, and this will be out after that, so people will hear it. But he yeah. was like, oh, I don't think I'll shoot film forever. He said he was like, oh, I think I'm going to just shoot digital instead because obviously the longevity of it. Um, and there is this huge debate of like, you know, is film better? Is digital better? There was um, a, a, a somewhat controversial video by Mango Street, which was like how to edit your digital images to look like film. Exactly. Um, and I know quite a few photographers that were not happy about that. Um, but at the same time, I also do feel like you have to remember that everyone can afford film. You know, it's not, it's not accessible as people would like it to be, but then exactly, it's a very interesting debate. But before I say continue with that line of thought, I wanted to say, so I was going through your Instagram yesterday quite heavily, um, uh -huh. as you can imagine. And I was trying to figure out if you shoot film or digital, because I have made the mistake in the past thinking people okay. shot film and they didn't. Um, and I realized the only reason I realized you didn't shoot film or you're most likely you don't is because none of the tags you have are for any of the film accounts oh. that I know. So gotcha. that's, that's the only way I can figure out. And it kind of leads on to the next question is kind of like, do you think it's easy for people to figure out if an image is shot on film or digitally? Um, 
I think maybe for a person who's shot film for a long time, probably for me, um, not so much because you, like you said, I have seen people edit digital to look like film. Like if it's something like, uh, like Cinestill, it's, it's very obvious to me. Um, the, you know, the, the way that that Cinestill look is, is I can just totally pick that out of a lineup, but, um, sometimes I feel like I can tell, but, but sometimes I don't know. I think you can throw up some grain in there and you can uh, even the, you can throw up some dust and some scratches. I have one image that uh, the, the woman I was dating at the time was uh, her job is for Nike and she does the jerseys for the basketball. They send her the designs and she does. It. And so she helped me create like the dust and like, even the, the, when you crop, the print it had the line on it and um and so so i can't always tell no um especially since i i've never done it i haven't worked in film i don't i only really notice from the magazine that it's in or um or when it definitely has that film but i, I see people like you said using digital work and i personally don't have a problem with it i could see like i said before the um if you can if you can do it then you do it and if that's your image i can see why other people might not like it but um but my personal thing is that you shouldn't be limited um how you express yourself based on other people's ideals of what is um true if that works for them that's great and i would not argue with them or i wouldn't say that they're wrong i would just just say, do what works for you again. Yeah, I think that's absolutely great advice. I think that's absolutely great mentality to have because I think the, one of the problems with photography, really, um, those questions I was asked earlier, I forgot, but I'll ask you in a second. Um, one of the problems with photography is that there's a lot of gatekeeping. There's a lot of, oh, you can't do this and oh, you can't yes. do that or oh, you don't have a full frame camera? You're not a photographer. And it's like, well, actually, you're creating images. You know, mm -hmm. therefore you are a photographer because that's what photographers yeah. do. You know, I think, the one issue we have is there's a lot of gatekeeping and a lot of like gearheads who are like, Oh, but you don't have this lens and you can't shoot with this lens and you can't do this with this. And it's like, but you know, there's, there's no such thing as a right way to do things with photography yeah. or any kind of creative endeavor. There are ways of doing things, but there's never a right way of doing things. I agree. I completely, I mean, that's my philosophy too, is, is, uh, however you want to express yourself and using whatever equipment you want to use or whatever, however you want to edit it. Um, that's, that's for you to decide and determine. And there's always, there's always going to be outside noise and other opinions, no matter what it is. But, um, uh, yeah. And, and, and I do see some of that too, um, that I I've kind of sensed that in the NFT community a little bit, the, um, becoming a distinction yeah. between the NFT community and, um, just the regular social media, um, digital community, um, yeah. that there's kind of becoming a separation of communities there. Um, and, and, and people have very strong thoughts one way or the other on that as well. Well, actually, what are your thoughts on NFTs actually? A very good question to ask. Um, to me, it, it makes sense as far as, um, as far as the, the way our world works and creating a commodity of, and, uh, and how to sell something and having an original and like the human desire to want an original something. 
So, you know, before, if you wanted, you know, say I like the painting Starry Night. And so I could get a print of it, but to a collector, they want the, you know, could they acquire it? They want the original. So in digital, what what is the way we could do this when you have a, 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 an image that can be completely duplicated? Um, and NFT makes sense that I own this original. So it makes sense that 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 evolution um, to me. And I've seen it in uh, like people are doing it with like playing cards for like athletes and people are using it. Uh, it, it makes sense to me with the cryptocurrency thing going and stuff that a lot of people are going the way of NFT to create a market of original um, art that they have ownership for some people. Some people want that ownership of, I have the original of this. This is mine. This is part of my collection. And I understand that. Um, I haven't dove very deep into it enough to have feelings too strongly one way or another about, whether I would do that or um, I, I don't know. Um, I, in talking with Nico, he told me that there were some issues of of it of it not being a clean process. That um, I would have to do some research on that. I'm not educated on that enough to. It's I I would probably say it's it's an issue. I'm not educated enough to give a real intelligent, uh, informed response on. Just only in that. To me, it makes sense intellectually that that that's where I see, um, you know, in capitalism and and creating commodities of things and and collecting. It, it totally makes sense that that's the uh, the next evolution of um, of taking an art form and and having someone own it. Yeah, I'm kind of I'm always curious about people's opinions on NFTs because people have quite um, quite opposite opinions, and I've had yeah. quite a few interesting conversations with. A lot of really cool artists about it, and I think it's just kind of, I don't know. Things could still quite, still relatively quite new, but it's still relatively it unknown. And I think there's so much kind of back and forth about: is it good or is it bad? Or is it gonna? Is it helpful? Is it not helpful? And I think, you know, it's it just, I don't know. It's just a very interesting space to think yeah. about or talk about. And similarly to you, I'm definitely nowhere near as well informed as I probably should be. But then again, I also just kind of don't care to be because, yeah. For me, it's kind of like it might just be a phase. It might also not be a phase. I don't know. Yeah. For me, I just I like to kind of focus on what I'm doing now. To be very honest, um, rather exactly. than worry about what else, what other people are doing that I don't have. Because again, that goes back to the philosophy of like that's cool for them if they're making millions of pounds. That's pretty cool. Yeah. But for me, not really going to be what I'm particularly interested in. Even if it could be a potential profit, I, I, you know, the way I live my life, I don't do things necessarily just for profit. I like to do things just for fun. Uh, obviously exactly. not everything i have a job not everything but you know it's kind of like i don't know i can look at somebody selling an nfc for you know six million and be like good for them and not feel like oh i want a piece of that so yeah for me i just leave nfts with the people who understand like basically i should probably think about or look into it but for now it's just something i like to talk about and ask people's opinions about yeah yeah so, i guess i don't have a real strong opinion about it one way or the other, I just accept it as, as a part of the reality. I, I, you know, I try to believe in not resisting the reality of things, you know, an argument that does nothing, but, you know, create turmoil and suffering for yourself if you resist it. So I just accept that that's, that seems to be where it's going. And like you said, it could be a phase or it could be where things are heading. But, um, but like you said, I try to just focus on 
what I'm doing and my goals. And right now that's not really something I'm thinking about. Um, so the question I wanted to ask you earlier that I didn't was, are there any misconceptions about photography that you don't like? Um, hmm, misconception. I don't know. Well, gosh, that's a good question. Um, I, well, I think, I don't know if there's a misconception, but, but uh, I think about what people uh, is considered um, appropriate and not appropriate or pornographic or not, porn- or what, uh, I guess censorship, like, um, is an interesting thing for me, a misconception of, there's still, especially in the United States, you know, we've got this puritanical background and the, and the yeah. body the nude form is still looked at. It's still, you know, not allowed on, you know, on basic cable. I, th- th- it's, it's interesting. It seems very arbitrary because you, we can watch Arnold Schwarzenegger blow up a million human beings, which to me seems much more uh, gratuitous than than seeing just a nude form not engaging in any you know any act any sexual acts but just appreciating it as an art form and so i don't know there seems to be uh, maybe a disconnect between creators and those who um delegate like you know what is considered art and what is considered not art and um because i'm firmly against um uh that kind of uh I, 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 I think it's, um, I, I think it's more gratuitous to X out a nipple than it is to show it, if that makes sense, or to yeah. bleep out a cuss word. I think that actually draws more attention to it. Yeah, no, I agree. I definitely agree with that. I think that's a good point. So I think the, maybe the, the misconception is, is that for some people, they find that, um, that showing, showing, uh, a body, um, means something than what the the uh, creator is intending um it's, it's something that i see just by the evidence of that it's not being allowed on platforms the way that the artist intends it yeah yeah especially if you paint or shoot nudes um i yeah. know quite a lot of artists that i've that i've definitely spoken to about it or at least it's a conversation i would love to have with more artists because it's kind of like if you're somebody who does like say paint nudes for instance there's a, a great artist called uh, Jane Clatworthy who creates these amazing images um and it's kind of like well how do you exist on a platform if they're gonna shut you down for it are they going to censor what you do because it's too uh, for them it's too like risque or it's too this or it's too that and it's not even anything indecent it's just yeah. the actual human form and I think the idea of censorship has actually wider ramifications for like society and people's body image and people not really understanding themselves or mm-hmm. what kind of society. So I think it, it kind of, it kind of has wider implications that I think maybe the sense that people who create the censorship guidelines don't really think about because it's like, you know, I don't know, like, yeah, I don't know. It, yeah. That's a, that's a really good, it's a really interesting conversation to raise though, actually. Um, yeah. Especially in photography, because it's like, with painting, it's slightly different because painting is painting is more of a depiction of a thing as opposed to photography is yeah. often more a mirror image of, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, and particularly like we'd say, like if you're shooting, say, nudes or something, like it's going to be what is in front of the camera. 
Um, so it's kind of like, even uh, definitely in photography, I think that's a very interesting conversation to have in terms of like, you know, does artistic freedom exist? You know, kind of what are the, you know, what are the kind of limits of censorship, that kind of thing. And, and it's always kind of funny and ironic, I think, when you look at a lot of, say, celebrities and music videos that are, that are just yeah. over the years becoming more and more, more and more sexual and more and more kind of outrageous in terms of what they do and what they don't show or what they suggest. And they're yeah. not banned. They're not being pulled down. Um, they're being encouraged, if anything. And it's kind of yeah. a bit like, how how does that work? Because yeah, you know, it's almost like in order to get around the fact that I cannot show a nipple, then I will actually, in a non-sexual way, I will be more sexual, but I just won't show you the nipple. And so, so there, there's a good debate there to be, uh, if you want to be, you know, what is, you know. If that if that's inappropriate or if that's you know sexual if you're sexualizing someone like that like uh, you could argue that that is that like a music video like that or something is is uh, more obscene or could be you know more obscene quote than a, a nude form sitting you know on a chair in a in a stylistic photograph you know yeah. so it's it's really it's very, it feels very arbitrary to me and by I guess like the same thing with the movie, with movies, it seems that people who give ratings and stuff are not artists themselves. And so there's this disconnect. Um, and I know the, the, the famous ruling of, of pornography and censorship was the person couldn't define it, but he just said, I'll know it when I see it. Yeah. And, and that is just such a vague term because um, that's really, that's his interpretation, but what he, what he, He'll know when he sees it, but that's not what I see necessarily. And that's not what you see. We all have, uh, you know, based on our experiences and our culture and stuff, what, what we see is not, is, is definitely not the the same thing. And what, you know, what one person deems uh, is, is crude or, uh, you know, it crosses a line is completely acceptable to another person. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I find that fascinating and I'm really anti censorship except you know in the cases of you know um exploitation or children or yeah coercion of, of people you know when things that are to, obvious yeah when it gets to things that are legal that are like yeah you know, very legal of course um but i think the great thing about that conversation it opens up so much other conversations you know because i'm just thinking about like you know obviously it opens up the ideas of like objectification of the human body whether that's men or women and it opens up the idea of the male gaze and it opens up the idea yeah. you know the conversation around kind of like you know, well, what is sexual and what isn't sexual? You know, there's kind of, there's so much there to unpack. And I actually there think is, yeah. it would be really good to have these conversations as creatives with other creatives that are completely different disciplines to you. Like there are a bunch mm-hmm. of artists that I can totally send you um, or recommend to you that would be such an interesting conversation to have with them and see their view as well. Um, I think that'd be really interesting. I think it's stuff like that's like an important conversation to have because it affects everybody on some level. Like even in the sense of like, if you were to, I mean, the one thing that always gets me is like the amount of violence we see nowadays in like yeah. films and TV shows and, you know, music videos in the media. I think it's insane. Yeah. Yeah. If there's violence in the news, it gets cut. Or if there's violence in the news, they'll think about it, they'll change it. It's kind of like, but just because it's, fabricated violence doesn't make it any less violent than the violence you see on tv um, exactly yeah i don't know it's, it's it's kind of a bit weird how society does that in terms of like it's almost like a no holds bars 
if you're rich enough. I don't know. It's, it's, it's a weird situation, I think. And I think, you know, it's like when I think of images and think of, oh, actually, okay, so getting back to you and your work, actually, there's a question I can ask you that I don't think I've put on this list. But okay. is it like, has there ever been an image or like themes you want to shoot, but you feel like because you'll shoot them, you might get some backlash from shooting them? Um, let's see. I don't know. Um, well, I mean, I, I have done some, some, um, some nude, uh, portrait sessions and stuff. Um, there are some scenes I would like to do that are maybe sinister or creepy or it's weird because I'm not like a horror film person, but I'm attracted to that, that aesthetic and photography and still frame, but not in, in my, uh, that's not how I ingest my media. So, um, so I don't, there's a, I guess the, the limitations I've had so far, honestly, are a lack of, um, humans to work with, to create scenes. That's something I'd like to go into. Um, and, uh, it's frustrating because I, I just, none of my, I have one or two buddies, you know, who are married, who I can get out for 20 minutes here and there. Um, and a lot of the women I have, are that I'm friends with just do not want, they feel self-conscious and they don't, which is totally fine. Like I don't yeah. like to be in front of the camera either, but um, I guess that's, there's not any too much, like so much content, but as far as the uh, ability, the capability to create some things that I want to create that I can't because uh, partly the times, partly it's, it's like you said, it's so isolating. It's hard to find unless you're maybe a well-known uh you know you do portraits and your name's out there and so people are contacting you i don't have that so there's a lot of themes and subjects and scenes that i don't get to do right now that are that i'd like to do um i don't know about i mean i i when i do something really experimental i sometimes worry that i might go too far and that it's just not good it's just it's just garbage you know what i mean um sometimes when i go there's some shots i work on that are just so experimental that i i'm honestly nervous because i don't i don't even know if it's good or not if that makes sense yeah but that's the whole point they're called experiment that's experimental yeah that's the whole point that's that's yeah weird that's a really strange um way to be because it's like the whole point and i understand you because and actually that leads a very nice into the next question, but I understand you because, you know, you kind of want things to be consistent and you want things yeah. to kind of flow well. But I yeah. think also there's a photographer who's a good friend of mine now called Passe and um, his oh, yeah. work is, his work is incredible. And lately he's been doing stuff that's a bit more experimental and I absolutely love it. I think it's great because, you know, it's nice to try something new and it's nice to be changing and it's nice to evolve and it's nice to yeah. not just shoot the same house or the same tree or the same yeah. tree or the same landscape because you're going to get bored of what you do eventually. Exactly. Um, and if you don't experiment, you're not going to grow. And if you don't grow, you're going to be doing the same thing. And unless you're Todd Heider, you know, it's not going to work out for you. Yeah, um, exactly. But um, yeah, so I guess my next question for you then really is about style and originality. Mm. And it's kind of like, do you think that your work is original? Um, no, I don't. I don't think it's original. Um, I, and I kind of come from the school of... Nothing is 
exactly original. I think it's kind of all been done before in a way because everyone is influenced by someone and everyone, you know, uh, no one creates in a vacuum. Um, and so there's always a little bit of someone else's work in it. So like, the, I mean, so there's that on one hand, nothing is completely original in my mind, but then there is, yes, that this is, they, this is, yes, they are influenced by this, but they created a style that, that people aren't really doing. And that's original, you know, that's original in that sense. But I don't think my stuff is like, uh, like it's groundbreakingly original, but I think it's interesting. I think it's intriguing and which I, which I think is, uh, I think is maybe just as important or, or is important that, um, that, you know, that the content that it, it, it evokes something from you and it doesn't necessarily have to be original. Uh, and I guess it really depends on what your definition of original is. Yeah, um, I mean, I think you could put my, uh, my work in, in a genre. And so then does, is that considered original then if you can categorize it or, um, I guess it depends on the person. I, I don't see myself as creating work. That's like no one else has done anything like this, but I think that when I put up a shot, no one has done this exact shot this exact way and so there's an originality in that if you want to think of it that way so the reason i ask and it's probably kind of more of a selfish question i guess because okay. it's, i look at a lot of atmospheric photographers it's like something i'm heavily invested in uh-huh. um, very heavily invested in because i i absolutely love it i just think that the whole genre the whole imagery um it's just incredible like just just the visuals are incredible insane but I do also feel like it gets quite repetitive after. Yes. It becomes a bit like you kind of almost sometimes can't distinguish who shot what and, and like, you know, how does this person differ from this person? And am I like, particularly for me, like you're probably the, I say, I don't even know, which is bad. So you're probably like the fifth or sixth photographer that I've interviewed that is like an atmospheric photographer. And it's kind of, and I always ask myself, like, am I just repeating the same interview? because mm-hmm. um, I'm probably asking the same questions. And what I deliberately didn't do was copy and paste stuff from Nico's questions. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's kind of like, sometimes you can get very caught up in the genre and the kind of quote unquote rules of the aesthetic. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm kind of curious too, like, like, what do you think makes your work stand out from other photographers, if you think it does? Um, definitely, I, I think... Um my work with color, which is again, weird because I, I, I never was like color coordinated growing up and I never really understood what went together, but I've just been so obsessed and spent so much time, so much trial and error with it that I come up with, I think a kind of a distinct color scheme that, um, that, that I'm still working on and still, trying to improve and get better. Um, it's, I, I was inspired by the cover of this movie called Pathfinder. It, it was like a middle ages, like Viking movie that came out and the cover, the poster was this really crazy green. Um, and I've been trying to replicate that forever. Um, and so I, I, a lot of my images have greens and turquoise and blues. And th- those are my favorite colors i'm drawn to them the most 
but I really try to create um, some unique colors that I don't know. It's just, I, I really do a lot of trial and error until it just looks right. And it's not, I don't necessarily go into it with, I'm trying to make it look like this. It's just, um, I, I don't want this to sound pretentious, but like there's a, the image wants to be, it wants, it like has something it wants to be. And I'm just like, I read this thing in Stephen King's book that when he writes, he thinks of it as like uh, uh, an archeological dig site and his story is already there in the ground. And so if you're a beginner, you, you can show a few bones or whatever, but the piece is already there. The, the dinosaurs there. And the better you are at archaeology, the more you can uncover, the more the story you can share. And so that's what I feel like in a way is I take a shot and there is an image that's there. If, if uh, the more I work at it, the more I can dust off that dirt and and the the bones appear um, what they what they were meant to be originally, if that makes sense. They're, they're like, And yeah. sometimes I, I go in with the idea that like this is going to be a, um, a moody cool blue toned thing and then it doesn't work it doesn't feel like that's what the image wants to be um and so and if it doesn't work then i'll try something different i don't know if this does that make sense it does and i'm so glad you mentioned color because not only was that the next question but your use of color is insane like (laughs) thank you i don't think you understand how much i say i'm a huge fan of like that kind of blue that's not quite describable that's kind of like teal but it's not teal yeah um and oh my goodness that image you posted the day of the flats with the teal sky is incredible like i can picture it in my mind it's that good like seriously well, I thank you so can. Much. um and i know i posted i'm pretty sure i commented on your post saying it was insane yeah and like it is insane like your use of color i went through your your feeling i really enjoyed looking at your use of color and it's actually evolved so much as well because the thing is, like, I looked at your early work and I was really impressed how by, honestly, just kind of the change in your work and the direction yeah. it's gone in and kind of just how, just how much more emotion and how much more kind of visual interest it has. Mm-hmm. Um, I, just, I don't know, your use of color is so good, like so good. Um, oh, thank you so much. so interesting. And even the latest image you posted with the telephone pole, where the yeah. second image was purple, the sky was purple. And it's like, that's so interesting because it's so different. And it's like, it's not necessarily realistic, but it could be. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. There's just, a, I don't know. There's something about your use of color that I'm heavily invested in finding out how the hell you do that. Um, yeah, it's, so. I, I find it interesting myself because I, I had never, like I said, I, I never really studied photography or color theory or anything. So maybe uh, sometimes there's something good about uh being ignorant, like, you know, like learning music, but like I started learning by ear and there's something about not following the rules sometimes. And then, and then I like to go back and learn the rules and then, and then by learning them, you can break them. But honestly, it's, it's really been just putting hours and hours and hours and hours in um, trial and error. And and for every picture that I think looks good, I have a hundred that the colors look awful and the color scheme did not work out. Um, and so it, it really is just, um, I think it, it also is as this um, pandemic has gone on and, you know, the more isolated I feel or, uh, you know, and as many artists go through times of depression and anxiety, 
Um, I really feel the color, uh, the use of color has really helped to express myself. And so I, like I said, it's not necessarily conscious, but it makes sense to me that things turn out kind of ominous or cold or because that's kind of how I feel at the time. And so uh, it makes it, I guess it makes sense to me that it turns out that way. Yeah. Cause color is a very strong emotional trigger, you know, yeah. you know, cold colors, warm colors, you know, yeah. different shades mean different things to different people in different parts of the world. I think that's very, 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 very interesting to think about your work in terms of like how your work is seen in America by an American yeah. artist. is not the same as somebody from the UK or from China or from anywhere else in the world. It's actually very, very interesting to think about that. And do you ever actually think about that? I haven't actually thought about that. Um, I, I thought about um, how, you know, the, where, you know, your culture and, and then lands the landscape um, by where you live, like in which you live, how that shapes, like how you shoot. I haven't thought so much about um, where you live and what color means, but that uh, that's, that's really interesting. Yeah. It it totally makes sense. I, I honestly, maybe naively thought that kind of that there's this kind of colors there's like kind of a i mean it's not one size fits all but there's like colors have certain emotions attached to them that are kind of universal but um i don't know what they are but (laughs) that was kind of my you know how people say like green signifies this and but maybe culturally it doesn't um, no, there's, you know. it doesn't it certainly doesn't there are certain places like for instance like in mourning people wear white for instance rather than black whereas in yeah. you know in more western countries especially black is the color associated with mourning and you know like certain colors are definitely very very different um uh, that makes sense though. actually i'm going to do some research into that later i say later like it's not already late enough but uh yeah color uh, and culture that's what i'm thinking of um, and if i send any find of interest i'll send it over yeah um and actually, so talking about color, though, are there any colors that you don't like to use or that you would like to use more in your work? Um, I don't use a lot of purples um, or pinks too much. Um, it's not my favorite. I wouldn't mind incorporating a little more pink-ish, I think. And, and some shots, um, I don't know, for some reason that color doesn't, I, I don't feel... Uh, it doesn't feel as natural to me, uh, naturally occurring in, in nature as much. We, uh, I mean, it, it doesn't like in flowers and stuff, but like when, when I do a lot of sky work, I feel like the blue green or the red orange seems to fit better with, with sky and creates a sky that we can look at and, and say like, this is not, this is not exactly how the sky looks, but this is still earth kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I don't know. I, 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 it's funny after you asked that question, I actually purposely played with purple to see what would come up. And it, 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 I haven't found a way to make it look right yet, I guess is, but I'd be interested in, in pursuing it. I'm also interested in pursuing some more like kind of brown earthy tones, like kind of the post-apocalyptic kind of that kind of, you know, brown, grayish brown is darker, kind of like dust settling, like Mad Max kind of thing. I'd really, I'd like to go into that. 
and then the like kind of like the 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 new Blade Runner. I like that the kind of that sky, the 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 red and orange is really interesting to me. When I watch film too, I like. I mean, I I like for example, like the Matrix Green or like yeah. the Joker that just came out has that kind of uh, that green, uh, things like that. I, I love I love that when they got that or or any like Christopher Nolan film just has this yeah. that just the cinematography is just amazing so that's something i always look at and that's kind of how i started was uh is like when you do like an exterior shot of like a building or a road you know in a film that's kind of that was kind of my first um uh, like introduction into the okay that shot that they framed up where you know our protagonist is at at this honky-tonk bar um like that's how i would go about setting up my shot for you know a bar or a gas station because i i thought of it in terms of like film like where would they set up the camera to shoot this one two second shot of showing us where they're at yeah that's kind of I, there's something interesting about i mean i guess it comes back to kind of like film and the idea of like films are pretty much just you know moving photographs um but i just i don't know there's yeah. about the correlation between films and photography that i just adore i think there's something so interesting about it um I don't know. I'm super like I'm super geeky like that. I think it's just so interesting. I can literally just spend a whole day looking at film stills and be like, "This is cool and that's cool." And then it'll form your work because you'll think about color in a different way, you think about composition in a different way, and you'll think about lighting in a different way. It's like all the elements mm-hmm. of photography are within film. Oh, Similarly, exactly. Yeah. Everything within film is within photography. And is moving image something you're interested in, in kind of working with maybe in the future? Oh, definitely. Yeah. Um, that's. I mean, that is film. It was like my first love. Yeah. That's why I'm, um, and, I'm and it still is the thing I, my hesitancy and what I do like about photography and uh, is that it's, it's up to me and me alone where uh, film is very collaborative and just like, and again, I'll go to the band. I know I use this a lot, but like in a band you're I think bands don't succeed more because of you're only as strong as like your weakest link. And it's not so much the most talented bands, but it's just like a war of attrition and the bands who can just stay together long enough. <laughs> uh, yeah. and, and so, and, and, uh, and that's like, I was in a band and we were good, but, but um, to get the same um, amount of energy and enthusiasm out of everyone is a very difficult thing to do. And so, and same thing, I see with film, how collaborative it is and how many people you need to rely upon. I like that photography it's on me i i take the shot i edit the shot i post the shot and my you know success or my you know my or at least my um my workload what i can produce is on me and so i kind of like that that's a really good consideration that i haven't actually thought of because it's like there's something very nice about being in control and yeah being able to be like you know this is what i want things and you actually that's a good point because film is extremely collaborative and that is actually a huge drawback in terms of like you have to have a lot of people in one place and you have to have yeah you know permissions to shoot in places and you have to have the gear with you and then it's like traveling costs and getting people together and mm-hmm. like it's a it's a process whereas in photography it you is. can literally just grab a camera go out and shoot something and come back with 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 work um, exactly it's kind of interesting actually um that's very that's what and that's what i love about it honestly is that in what like in one day i can go out I could go out after this, shoot a shot, 
I could come home and edit it for several hours and I probably wouldn't do it. I usually wait like the, some of the best advice I got was to always like step away from your work and then come back to it and then see if you still like it and then post it. And I've stuck by that, that I, I never post right after I finish editing as I step away, usually overnight. And then if it looks good to me the next day with a fresh set of eyes, then I post it. Yes. And so, so I like that, but within a 24 hour period, I can create a piece where in film, there's just no way that you could do that. So I wanted to say, so your images are very much outdoors. As you've said, they're pretty external, but have you ever considered shooting like interiors? I'm actually very curious. Uh, yeah, I have. And I did actually start out doing some um, interior work and um, I have couple earlier shots that are inside um i feel limited right now with that yeah. as far oh, as lighting yeah. um i w- that's one of the things that um with the guy i'm working with now he's really um he's teaching me right now mainly i mean he's showing me how to better use my camera uh, but he's teaching me how to do portraiture and so yeah. i'm learning lighting and then you know it everything is cost money. And so I'm slowly trying to build up, um, my own kind of studio. I want to, my first goal is to create a kind of to go like on the go grab bag, one light, the umbrella, um, the diffuser. Uh, and so I can just go out and shoot just like quick. And I don't know, I, I I guess I consider myself kind of gorilla cause I'm in and out, but that's, I definitely want to do more interior, but I want to subject more. I'm not super into the like urban X like thing yeah. that I, I see. Um, I I think it can be atmospheric um, if you find the right location. But again, that's um, I'm, I'm not sure exactly where I would go to do that. Um, have you ever heard of the photographer? You might not have Nick Fancher. I don't think so. Right. He is one of the most incredible portrait photographers that I've ever seen. And um, I will send you his work. I'll send you quite a few portrait photographers yeah, definitely. that I like. That I'm, I, say I don't know any of them, but I like them and I've known their work for a long time. Yeah. Um, because there are some people creating some really interesting work. And there's yeah. um, a portrait photographer called Lindsay Adler. And she's very generous with um, like teaching and kind of behind the scenes stuff and kind of like showing her process, like very generous. So I um, love that. stuff like that, I think would be really beneficial too. I've got yes. quite, a, quite a lot of people I can send you that are very, very, very good portrait photographers. So yeah, that's yeah. my, um, that honestly, that is my um, next endeavor. Like I'm going to keep continue to do, you know, what I do and, and hopefully, you know, progress, but, but if I, my idea is that once I get into portraiture, I will have a sec, second site, probably a second page because I do like, and I know you asked this um, cohesion and I think uh, it will take on, I mean, I probably will do moody shots and stuff, but if they're, uh, I, I think there's a distinction to be made between shots that are a landscape shot and a person is in it and a person is the subject and there happens to be a landscape behind it. Yeah, like environmental portraits. 
Yeah. Like a, yeah, exactly. Like a portrait. And, um, and so anything that I do that would be just portrait, I don't feel is, would be cohesive with my, the current page uh, I have right I now, see. if that see. makes sense. I, I would want to do a separate page for that. But if, uh, but, um, and again, I know one thing you asked is, and I'm preempting you again, if that's, that's fine. okay, no, is you mentioned, um, how, how I don't have a lot of subjects in my stuff and part in yes. that, I mean, I'd like to say, you know, I do that because, you know, like give you some really deep, um, thing of, I do that because it takes away, but, but a lot of it has to do with just, I don't have that person. I've done it a little bit where I am that person, but I, when I, um, want to use a person in a shot, I want to make sure I don't get, I, I see this a lot and it, and, it, and it can work, but it gets cliche to me of having a landscape, a night shot, and then there's just a person looking out or there's just a yeah. person in, looking out off into the sunset. And well, it can work. Sometimes I wonder is like, what, what, uh, what, what are we to think of this person? What are they doing? And are they adding to this, to the, to this picture? Or is it just so you have a subject? And, and I think it definitely can work and it looks good, but sometimes I wonder what, why is that person standing there looking out and, um, what is their motivation and what, and, and then if, if we're in that world, there is a part that is, if that person's in that world, then I'm not, um, perhaps, uh, I, I, so there is a part that likes the idea of I'm, if I'm going into that theme of isolation and solitude and with this pandemic, um, I think not having a person in it makes you feel more isolated and it puts you in there um, where some, I know some people just absolutely have said, you know, this would, this shot is awesome, but have you ever thought about putting a person here, you know, and some people really uh, want to see that, that there's a person, you know, in it, in the scene. And I would definitely like to do more of that, but I want to make sure for the most part, not always, but that there, there, there's a sense of purpose that there's, there's something that they're telling a story that they're doing something that we can like, or wonder about what they're doing. Like, I, I think like, um, you know, Henry film yeah. um, or like Audrey, <laughs> like I think they do a great job of incorporating people where it's very interesting and you're curious about what is this stranger doing walking through that, you know, as opposed to just a, um, an outline of a figure for the sake of having a figure. I'm not saying that doesn't look good, but sometimes I think it gets repetitive. Hmm, of course. And that's, uh, again, uh, like, like you said, um, there's, I don't want to like call anyone out or anything, but there, there's an artist who is like one of the most famous photographers of Moody shots whose work I think is absolutely incredible insane but it every shot is to me looks the like the exact same shot they they created a style that is very copied and very incredible but every shot is exactly that and to me it on one hand it's genius and I, i'm like wow that's impressive that's amazing but on the other hand it's every shot is that exact same shade same feel same thing but it's just a different place like as if it's it was taken from one hole and then cut up into pieces if that makes sense 
So I guess that actually raises a really interesting kind of consideration between like how cohesive do you really want your style to be? Because you're right, it might just get repetitive and boring because it's the yeah. same thing. It becomes predictable. Like how yeah. do you create a visual style that is consistent but not predictable? Yeah. For me, part of that is is the subject matter. That concludes the first part of my conversation with Jesse Tate. Thank you very much for listening. If you have any questions or comments about it, please send me an email at theflyingfruitbowl at gmail.com or get in touch via social media sites such as Instagram, Twitter and Facebook. The Flying Fruit Bowl audio interviews can now be found on a variety of sites such as Spotify, YouTube, Apple Music or wherever you listen to podcasts. If you like the show, please consider rating, reviewing, sharing or subscribing on any of those platforms. Also, please don't forget to check out theflyingfruitbowl.co.uk for daily art inspiration and written interviews. And if you're a creative, please get in touch for a chance to be featured or interviewed. The Flying Fruit Bowl now also has a Patreon page if you'd like to support the platform further. Tears start from £1 and you can find more information over at patreon.com forward slash theflyingfruitbowl. If monthly donations are not your thing, we now also have a PayPal for one-time donations. I'll include a link to our PayPal in the show notes.